Welcome everyone, you're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello! And also joining us, as always, is our musical newbie, Matt. Hello! <laughs> Today we are going over the hit show, Chicago. In today's format, we'll be focusing on the 2002 film cast recording. The original musical score has multiple other songs that we aren't as familiar with, so we're just going to stick with this version. It will be up on our Spotify, for which we will be putting a link in the show notes. So let's go ahead and hop right on into it. So Chicago is an American musical. The music was by John Kander, and the lyrics were by Fred Ebb. There was also a book that was written by Fred Ebb and Bob Foss. This show was set in the jazz age, so that's like in the 1920s. And it was based on a 1926 play of the same name by reporter Maureen Dallas Watkins. And this show was about these actual criminals that she reported on. And it was kind of like making fun of the, the criminal justice system at the time. Because, you know, if you were a pretty woman, you had a higher chance of going free. We will be going further into, like, the actual history of it during the intermission. We're kind of changing up our format for this week. So we can break it down because it is a, a more detailed story. So the original Broadway production opened up in 1975 at the 46th Street Theater. It was choreographed by Bob Foss, who we just discussed. It ran for 936 performances until 1977. Mm-hmm. That's a lot in two years. <laughs> so that's almost wow. a thousand performances for its first run, which is amazing. Yes. At that point, it moved to the West End Theater. So that's in 1979. And that ran for another 600 performances. It was revived on Broadway in 96. So a bit of a time jump. Started again in the West End. This run actually holds the record for longest running musical revival. Okay. And it's the longest running musical in American musical musical in Broadway history. Long time. That's nuts. And it's the second longest running show ever on Broadway. Right behind, of course, Phantom of the Opera. Which we will eventually be covering. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> in 2014... It had its 7,486th performance. 7,486. That's absurd. uh, So with that performance, it surpassed Cats on the most run list. So, you know, Chicago has been played all around the world, not just in the U.S. And clearly it's been played a lot. It also became a film in 2002, which is the soundtrack we're working off of with an amazingly star-studded cast. So we have our main character, Roxy, played by Renee Zellweger, her husband, played by John C. Riley, another woman at the prison, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's amazing, and the lawyer is played by Richard Gere. So seeing him d- sing and dance is interesting. <laughs> and of course... There's Queen Latifah as the mama. Yeah, she was great. Of the, of the prison. And just great cast. Great show. And the movie actually won an Academy Award for Best Picture. Ooh. So on to the show. Okay, so we're hopping in with Act One. The show starts up with a song called All That Jazz, which in my opinion is probably one of the most well-known Broadway songs. It is... A song that is on everyone's favorite playlist. If you took any theater in school, you probably sang this one and know it by heart. It is just so poppy and catchy, and it really um, exemplifies the time. 
very, very well, like the vaudeville-esque kind of feel to the show. This one is sung by vaudevillian Velma Kelly as she welcomes everyone to the show. And at the same time that she's singing this, we are having like flashes to another girl, a chorus girl named Roxy Hart, as she murders Fred Casely as he attempts to break off their affair. So they were sleeping together. He said, I'm done with you. She said, well, gonna shoot you down. That sucks. Right. It's like, you ain't leaving. And then kill Pow. <laughs> and so we, we focus on Roxy and she convinces her husband Amos to take the blame because he'll literally do anything for her. He's a huge pushover. This song she sings uh, about him called Funny Honey, which is really one of the ones that gets stuck in my head the most often, just because it, it definitely portrays her view of him very well. So midway through the song, Amos realizes who Fred Casely is and that they were having an affair. So she, he he backtracks and is like, I, she just told me to take the blame. I'm not going to you know, take it for her. So Roxy is arrested and sent to the women's block in Cook County Jail. This is where we come up to the next song, which is, again, one of those very popular songs, mm-hmm. right? Probably extremely well known. Even if you're not really into theaters, you've probably seen it represented in some other sort of you know, TV shows and movies and other things. I've seen a Disney parody on YouTube. By Todd Rickall, um, yeah. So this is the Cell Block Tango where each of the women in the block of this jail sing about how they killed a man in their life, right? So one woman was cheated on and one woman just couldn't take her husband anymore because he was chewing his gum a little too loud. Popping. And <laughs> and so, you know, whether or not these women should have done what they did, they all just accept that that's what they've done. We see Velma Kelly villain talking about how she murdered her husband and her sister because she found them hooking up. Mm. Ouch. <laughs> and of course, you know, all the women except one who actually speaks in a Hungarian. foreign language, so they're not really sure what she's saying, but it seems like everyone else is guilty except for her because she just seems really innocent about the whole thing. The rest of the women blow it off. They just say, he had it coming. I Step did it. Pew, pew. <laughs> Murder. I stabbed him. I stabbed him, and <laughs> I'm not sorry. No, he ran into my knife seven times. Yeah. <laughs> Ten times. Ten oh. times. <laughs> so it's a, it's a fantastic song about how these, these men treated them wrong, whether they did or not, and they got their comeuppance, as it were. Um, Very catchy. The prison is actually kind of, not, not particularly run, but like kind of watched over by matron Mama Morton, who takes who happens to take bribes to like make the girls lives easier so it was like you you get you slip me a little bit of money and i'll get you that comfy pillow or think little things like that and uh this is one of my favorite songs to try and belt because trying to copy queen latifah's <laughs> vocal is really cool is it's hard it's hard work but it's beautiful and it's a lot of fun to sing too but she ends up helping velma who has been in there for a little while become the media's favorite by being a booking agent when velma is going to go back to being on vaudeville so when roxy comes into the picture velma does not like her because roxy is stealing velma's press coverage and also her lawyer billy flynn so that's kind of a big no-no roxy's husband amos ends up paying for billy flynn's service through some persuading from roxy even though amos does not have enough money to do it billy sings a song called all i care about where he just goes on and on about he just wants to help women 
and don't deserve to be locked up and they're just beautiful and I love them and that's all I'm doing this for. But it's it's actually, he wants the money and the, the fame for being a really good lawyer. So Billy does take Roxy's case, even though Amos, Amos have enough money to cover it. And he just, he just wants to be able to flaunt his prowess to the media a little more. So in a really neat scene, especially in the movie, Roxy has a press conference and it kind of takes on the air of, ventri- of a ventriloquist act where she's like sitting on his knee and he's making her talk and move. So he's literally words in her mouth in a song trying to rally the media behind her called We Both Reached for the Gun. This song is, is, is a lot of fun to sing and very fast paced. And I have a distinct memory of singing it with my mom and my sister in the car. And every time we got it wrong, we would start over, over from the beginning. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yeah, which if you've heard that song, we were so winded. <laughs> it gets real fast. This is actually one of my yeah. favorites that I listen to. It's it's so good. but And so now I know it, obviously, by heart. <laughs> because we started You should now. I, yeah, if I didn't, my mom would smack me. You psycho. <laughs> it's just a, it's a, it's a really fun song, though, but it does show how the media is so influenced by this one idea that Roxy isn't the one that actually started the fight and isn't as guilty as she really is. Because like Katie pointed out earlier, right, when you're when you're pretty and and, you know, innocent looking, people just don't believe that you can commit murder. Yeah, she's too pretty. Impossible. Be be careful if you're ever going to commit murder. Gotta be pretty. Anyway. (laughs) Learn Gotta be pretty first. (laughs) I'll teach you well. (laughs) Right. So Roxy sings the self-titled song, Roxy, where she sings about how she's becoming huge in vaudeville. Soundtrack is just amazing. It is. So listen to it. Seriously. You will sing along for days. But of course, as Roxy gets popular... As the news and media goes, someone else gets not as popular, right? So Velma starts to lose her notoriety, and she's just not in the in the starlight anymore, which upsets her, obviously. Obviously. She tries to convince Roxy to do a double act with her, which went so great last time when she did one with her sister and her husband, <laughs> you know, hooked up with her. But that's not the point, yes, I is. guess. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's different this time. Learning lessons, right? <laughs> so Velma sings, I can't do it alone, and tries to convince Roxy to act. But Roxy turns her down, realizes that she doesn't need Velma to be popular. But of course, as the media goes, someone else becomes popular, and Roxy starts to take a little uh, a downfall. Now it becomes not as relevant anymore. But then she fakes a pregnancy to get herself relevant again. As well, one does. As one does. You just, you just gotta fake, fake yeah. the baby. That's how you get attention, right? Uh, yeah. In jail. In jail. So- <laughs> it works for her. It helps. Yep. So with uh, such a big bomb drop, you know, the media is back in her corner and everything. And that's where it leads off into intermission. At least for the actual show, the movie doesn't have an intermission, of course. But we do. So here it is. Okay, everybody. Hi. Don't be alarmed. You are still in an episode of Save Me an Isle Seat during the intermission. We are just posting this up. This will, in the future, be our ad space as well. So you're already in a break in between the acts, so we're not actually disrupting anything. 
we'll go ahead and let you guys get back to the show. Sorry for the interruption. We just wanted to break that down for you. Yeah, so we'll let you get back to it. Thanks. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but do you know that the Ragtag Network has its own merch? You can get merch for your favorite shows such as Bag of Bones, Save Me an Isle Seat, or Total Tomfoolery. Just visit www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch now to check things out. <laughs> do you guys have any questions or comments about the first half of the show? No. Wow. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, we, we watched it pretty recently, so... Um, it's all pretty pretty fresh in it, but uh, yeah, the, the characters are all vastly interesting. Yeah, like the the dynamic between uh, Roxy and and uh, Velma. Velma, yes. I don't What's know why I just blanked on the name. The the other one um, <laughs> is very entertaining. Like watching them bounce back and forth of like, no, I'm more popular. No, I'm more popular. It was it was very very fun. If anyone is curious, at the time of this recording anyway, this, I believe, is up on Netflix, I want to say. I don't know for sure. No, maybe it's not. We watched it on DVD. I own it. That might be what I'm thinking about. But we I, definitely watched it on DVD. We watched it on DVD. I think it is actually up on Netflix, though. It was for a time. Yeah, but you can find it in any movie store if you still have those in your area. Um... <laughs> Or for cheap. Rest in peace, Blockbuster. Rest in peace. We miss you. Um, <laughs> either way, you can you can definitely find it uh, all around. It's it's a great it's a great watch. But yeah, so for the first the first act, it really kind of throws at you all these all this murder and and I'm realizing again we talk about a murder a lot on this show. Whoops. Seems to be a thing with with musicals. I mean, it's very traumatic, and everyone has to sing about it, obviously. It's a lot different in this show, though, because in this show, it's very, like, celebrated almost. Like, these women are proud of what they've done. Exactly. <laughs> Versus in, like, Jekyll and Hyde, everyone was very scared. <laughs> and in Book of Mormon, when the towns, the people in the village got murdered, that scared everyone else. So... But in this one, they're like, like, yay, murder. <laughs> and even Billy, yeah, the like, lawyer, Tim. knows they're murderers, doesn't care. He gets yeah. paid. Oh, yeah. That's exactly. Lawyers, I mean. So they're all profiting from this, mur you know, their murderous ways. Exactly. But, so like, we, like I mentioned earlier, we were going over the basic facts. We are going to break this down even further. But first, uh, Kylie has our theater fact of this week. Theater facts, I believe. True. Oh, yes. maybe not. Well, you got the one theater fact, but then you so, got the Chicago facts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The theater fact for this week is that the shortest run in West End history was the Intimate Review. It had closed uh, before the end of its first performance. Which is so what? sad. Ow. How does, how does it not even finish? I bet, I guess it was just so terrible people walked out or something. I don't know anything about it, obviously, because it never it went anywhere. But... It's like, you know what? We're just gonna stop it here. It can't get any worse. Right. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, but I thought that uh, little fact was pretty fun because we're, we were talking about the West End for Chicago's run, and that popped up on my, my list, so it was really kind of neat. 
but um, you have the longest run and then you have the shortest yeah the shortest run which is very interesting <laughs> so yes yeah, so now we're going to go ahead and let kylie break us down into the actual history behind chicago Alrighty, some history of the truth behind Chicago. Um, it was based on a play by Maureen Dallas Watkins, who was also a reporter assigned to cover the 1924 trials of accused murderers. Beulah. Beulah? Beulah. Beulah, Beulah. yeah. I know Beulah. It's, it's spelled really Anon. Bad. It's spelled weird. Anon and Belva Gartner. Gartner? Mm-hmm. Gartner. <laughs> Very close names in that respect. Eulandola. <laughs> Chicago's press was obsessed with the female murderers, and Maureen witnessed women being quit because they were able to pay off the sensationalism. Lore arose that in Chicago, feminine or attractive women could not be convicted. And Maureen's show went to Broadway in 1926 and ran for 172 per- performances. Cecil. B. DeMille produced a silent film version in 1927, and it was later remade as Roxy Hart in 1942. In this version, Roxy was actually innocent of the murder. Yeah. And in 19... Oopsie. (laughs) In the 1960s, Gwen Verdon read the play and asked her husband, Bob Foss, about making it into a musical. Maureen repeatedly denied access to the rights, but upon her death in 1969, her estate sold the rights. Even this mur- even this musical profits off of death. <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, no, I don't want to sell it. And it was, like, kind of speculated that she felt bad that these, these murderous women were getting so much attention because of her works. And that's kind of why she didn't want to sell it. But after she died, you know, no one cared. And here it is, one of the most <laughs> well-known musicals of the time. Just kind of reliving the past where people are just obsessed with attractive women and murders. murders. I could kind of see her not wanting to, like, give more attention to, like, bad behavior. Yeah. In case, like, copycats or whatever. I, I definitely get where she was coming from and why she held out for so long. To not, you know romanticize what these women did and then it ended up happening which actually reminds me of the Hunger Games series because that's literally what happened the series is about how terrible the government is and how stuff goes wrong in an apocalypse and the media turned it into oh wow look at this cute little love triangle between Peta and Gail and Katniss which is exactly what the author was trying to avoid it was real adorable though you never That's really saw Gail, though. <laughs> so while they're just in the background, like, no, everything's supposed to be terrible. <laughs> anyway, I digress. And you should all be sad. Sad. And hungry. <laughs> and with that little side tangent, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into Act Two. So we are again brought into the new act with Velma. And she is super mad at Roxy for being able to twist the system in her favor, which is, you know, already what Velma was doing. But Velma doesn't like when someone outdoes her, that kind of deal. She's also mad that Roxy was able to seduce a doctor into lying about her pregnancy. So this doctor was like, yep, totally prego. She didn't (laughs) do anything to, to to convince me or whatever. 
to the media eats this up. It's like, ah, she's pregnant. We can't kill her. Blah, blah, blah. And Amos, poor, sweet, real dumb Amos, claims <laughs> claims paternity of this child, of course, because, you know, she's married to him. Nice. Yeah. Why not? But still nobody pays him any attention. Can hope? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but no one pays him any attention because he's just this guy. And Billy reminds him that the couple hasn't had sex in four months, which means the child wouldn't be his. And he goes about doing this because he's trying to convince Amos to divorce Roxy. So it makes Roxy look more like a victim. So it's like, oh no, even her husband left her. She's totally innocent. Let her go. Blah, blah, blah. And alone. So With this baby. With this baby. <laughs> and Amos actually almost does divorce Roxy, but he's so much of a pushover, he just can't. And he sings uh, a song called Mr. Cellophane, which by John C. Riley, it's, it's, it's really sad. He's but like, very good. But very good. It's very catchy, right? It's, that's your favorite, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these songs are are very, very good. Yes. I kind of have the uh, back with Book of Mormon where Amber was like, this song's my favorite. No, this song's, oh, this my, song's favorite. my favorite. No, this it's, one. it's kind of like that with this. Where, <laughs> the like, whole album's my favorite. They're all, they're all really good. I just like this one because goofy. He is goofy. And he was really dressed up as a sad hobo man. Sad hobo clown. This oh. song is actually one of the most common theater audition songs. Really? For huh. men. Yeah. I mean, it makes I've sense. heard that recently. It does make sense because it's, you know, just a singular, singular male <laughs> song, which doesn't, it's not too much of a vocal. It's not as common. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably in a lot of people's ranges. So it's kind of it's kind of like, it's like a musical monologue, pretty much. So Velma is trying through the this entire time to reclaim Billy's attention, but Billy's like, nah, we're just we're just gonna stick with with Roxy because she's the one bringing in in all the big bucks. So so Velma tries to be like, I'm gonna do this during my trial, and what do you think about this? If I do this, if I do this fancy thing, do you think that'll work? And Billy's like, yeah, sure, whatever, shut up. Pretty much, that's basically what happens. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. So, through all of this, Roxy is not super happy, right, with the way that things are going for her life in prison. It's not great. She doesn't like being treated like a common criminal, and she'd rather just be treated like a celebrity, because she's just awesome, right? She <laughs> gets to the point where she actually fires her lawyer, Billy Flynn. Smart. Because they disagree on how her publicity should be handled. And even though he warns her that being a celebrity doesn't last long because the media is fickle, if she ends up getting convicted, she'll be famous for being hanged and then the media will move on to someone else. Like, she's not going to become famous for this. But she doesn't see it that way. She just wants to be a celebrity. So then she watches a fellow cellmate, the Hungarian woman from the Cell Block Tango song, who seemed like she was innocent. She gets hanged. And she did. Watching this is like a moment for her where she's like, well, I don't want that for me. (laughs) This is bad. So she ends up rehiring Billy right before her trial. And he sings a song, A Razzle Dazzle, which is a great song. In its own right, but also sung by Richard Gere is like a trip. <laughs> um, Pretty much all of his are. You're right. 
But he sings a song just to, you know, reassure her that as long as she follows along with what he's saying and she puts on a show, that she'll be okay. She's not going to die. Everything's going to be okay. Because people care more about the entertainment than the actual facts behind the case. So we go to over to the actual trial where Roxy is going to, you know, try and get acquitted or whatever. And Billy uses poor Amos as a pawn, of course. Everything, everyone's a pawn to get Billy to win. That's just how he rolls. And actually, Roxy ends up stealing all of Velma's ideas for her trial from earlier. And Velma had this whole rhinestone garter thing that she was going to flash to the jury. And Roxy even steals that, too. And yeah, so Velma is super pissed because her and Mama are listening to the trial like on the radio back at the prison and they sing a a song called Class, which I personally don't know very much because I think it's the most profane song in the show. So my mom would always skip it. (laughs) She'd be like, nope, skip. So uh, I forgot this song was even in there for the longest time until I heard uh, until I was listening to it for research. So they sing about, you know, people suck and no one has class and the world is getting all weird with its time change and whatever. But in the end, Billy does get Roxy acquitted. So she is free to go. And Roxy's like, yeah, awesome. I'll talk to the press because I'm free and I'm going to be a celebrity. But there's immediately another murder, which makes the press leave Roxy in the dust. So they're like, oh, man, Roxy who? There's a new murderer around. Let's go check her out. So even Billy just kind of leaves her there, admitting that he only did the trial for money, which, duh. (laughs) He did? A lawyer. What? A lawyer doing things just for the money? Oh. So (laughs) Amos tries to get Roxy back because reasons. And Roxy wants nothing to do with him, telling him that she isn't even pregnant. And so there's no reason for her to be with him. So bye. And she just kind of like leaves him. It's it's a little harsh because they've been yeah. together for like years like before years. this. Like it's a years. lot of years. But yeah. she's just like, eh. Yeah. Bye. Else. I'm a celebrity now. Sort of. Kind of. Whatever. Rude. Either way. Rude. So as the movie slash musical comes to a close, we see Roxy and Velma who have both been acquitted. And they're out there in the world. They're trying to get jobs on vaudeville with no one's hiring nowadays, so we get a song, and they just, you know, not doing great. And so, so the story comes all the way back around to this double act. They end up teaming together. Well, that went last time. But they seem to think it's going to work now, because suddenly they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I guess, makes sense. So, they team up together for this big double act. We get this huge, dancey musical number, not lots of flashing lights. We get that all that jazz song, and it's just it's a whole big production. As we see Roxy and Velma living it up as the celebrities they want to be, whether that's reality or not is you know questionable. But it's how they see themselves. That's all that matters. We come to the end of the show, and no one has gotten anything coming to them. It's so frustrating because, like every story, it's like oh the bad people. Like, either change, learn a lesson, get defeated, yada, yada. No, all the terrible people are still terrible. (laughs) Nobody changes. Nobody learns a lesson. Billy Flynn is still just, you know, getting girls acquitted of martyr. And Roxy and Velma are still kind of 
vapid and obsessed with being celebrities and poor Amos is just a little dunce. Yeah, Amos gets it the hardest. Oh yeah, he's he gets shit get on all just over the place. The entire movie. Or entire musical, not movie. We watched a movie, but yeah. yeah. The entire time. Just destroyed. Yeah. It is crazy and it's it, rough. It sucks. It is what it is. But so yeah, so that is Chicago the musical. And it's a great show. I definitely recommend seeing it. We, <laughs> we actually had the pleasure of seeing it. Kylie and I saw it at the Muni. And that was a... It was a pretty decent production. Mm-hmm. Sure, it will come back to the Muni. And we will go see it. Yep. Um, I think it actually is currently on Broadway. Or at least it's coming up. I want to say that I saw that somewhere. When I searched up Chicago the Musical originally. So, so Chicago is, Chicago is on the roster for the Muni season 2020. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to go see Ooh. that. It's uh, the first show of the season. So, yeah. So we'll definitely do a show. We'll definitely go see that. And we're probably going to do like a little, maybe like a side episode to just kind of like re-go over the facts and kind of see how that show was, was about. And also Chicago is, it looks like it is on Broadway right now, as I thought. Yeah. But it's not just Broadway. There's, it's in New York currently, and it's also on an international tour. Hmm. So, yes, yeah, so that wraps up Chicago for this week. Next week, we will be doing a little different different thing where, where Matt is going to give us a musical. And it's called, what? What is it called? Spider-Man Into the, Into the Dark? Turn Off the Dark. Turn Off the Dark. It's a show. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be great. So, <laughs> so. it's gonna be a web slinging time. Oh, uh, you know it. Full of disaster <laughs> and so, misery. And misery. So definitely Spiders. Um, tune in for that one because that one is definitely going to be interesting. And Matt's gonna take the reins, so I'm gonna have to learn to stop talking so much. <laughs> yeah, you get to take it. Everybody gets to. <laughs> Chill, relax. <laughs> it's gonna be crack open a cold one. <laughs> it's be great. It's gonna be a great time. But so yeah, so uh thanks thanks for listening to this week's episode of Chicago and and for coming back for another episode of Save Me an IL Seat. We hope that you all enjoyed it enough for us to continue doing this. We really do love storytelling and musicals, if you can't tell. We we just really like doing this podcast and we would like to continue being able to do said podcast. So if you have any helpful tips or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at savemeanisleseat on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. You can find more episodes and shows similar to this at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter at Save an Isle Seat. We make this show just for the fun of it, but if you would like to support what we do, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash save me an aisle seat. This episode was brought to you by the Ragtag Network.